This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a good Thursday out there. Lots to get to today. Dane Moore from the Dane Moore NBA podcast uh, does a lot of Timberwolves coverage locally. Uh, will join me here in a little bit to talk Wolves at the break, talk about the Patrick Beverly extension, talk about the defense of this team, and just kind of the overall expectations now that they are at the all-star break. I'm not going to call it that halfway point because they've played 59 games and there's only 23 left, but reach that point, 31 and 28, a lot of their goals within reach, but maybe they need to reset those and have loftier goals. Um, get to a little bit of Kevin O'Connell stuff. His news conference will be today at 4 p.m., formally introduced as Vikings head coach. A lot of people were a little bit nervous about that as the announcement took a couple of days after the Super Bowl, but that uh, I don't think that was ever really in doubt or danger, and now he will be formally introduced today, and we'll hear more from him, and we'll have a lot of Kevin O'Connell coverage on Friday's show with some stuff from the press conference and um, talking to his college head coach as well, Tom Kraft, on the show. Also get to Tubby Smith. Looks like he is done coaching um, for good, stepping away in the middle of the season and a little bit of an ode to Tubby Smith. But first, what did I miss? A couple of disappointing Hockey results from Wednesday. Let's start with the gold medal Olympic game. U.S. outshoots, U.S. women outshoot Canada almost by a two to one margin, but Canada gets that early two to nothing lead, and the U.S. cannot complete the comeback. It is a three two Canada win in that gold medal game. You know, nothing, again, when hockey is such a a game of, you know, a, a one game kind of thing in hockey you're not you're not always going to get the result you want it's not always going to feel like it's fair that's why the playoffs you know with the seven game in the NHL seven games probably give you a better indicator of everything but you know both of these teams really really good and the U.S. had trouble scoring had trouble kind of generating offense throughout its lineup uh, for the entirety of these Olympic games and that hurt them again in the gold medal game and Canada comes away with the win you know Canada showed the U.S., you know, throughout that they were probably the better of the two teams, probably a just result, even if it's not the one the U.S. team wanted. And you can read more about that, of course, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com with our Olympics writers Rachel Blount and Lavelle E. Neal III over in Beijing. Switch to the Wild Quick as well. They lose, at, they lose to Winnipeg, a disappointing result for the Wild as well. You know, they've only lost twice in the last 10 games, but both of those have been against Winnipeg. This one is 6-3 to three final. Um, you know, they just didn't seem, didn't seem like they had much energy from the jump. Winnipeg got off to a good start. I don't know if it's a matchup thing. I think we were all kind of thinking it might be a... You know, it might be a, a pretty physical game. Marcus Felino coming back and playing for the first time since a suspension um, levied for kneeing a Winnipeg player. It was a two-game suspension, and, you know, lo and behold, his first game back is against Winnipeg. Thought there might be some repercussions from that. There really weren't. It was not the uh, kind of chippy physical game we might have thought. Instead, it was just another game where the Wild against Winnipeg couldn't really get much going, kind of had the play taken to them. And you know, afterwards, head coach Dean Evason certainly did not sound like he liked what he saw. Well, honestly, like we didn't like our game right from the start. We didn't uh, we didn't finish checks. We didn't we were going a lot of east-west and, um, you know, Winnipeg did a lot of really good things again. 
again against us as far as you know we didn't get inside as, uh, as much as our group does get inside so um, they they did a real good job in that area but um, we we didn't get to our game you know like you said maybe maybe there was a point in the second but we thought even in the first it was like we, we weren't we weren't sharp in, in how we play the game and and uh, obviously they played real well and it uh, you know the score was uh, indicative we were soft in front of our net right um, you know there are some wide open uh, some some plays that we we usually take care of that uh, you know in in around you know our goaltenders and um, they had so many real like obviously open nets and, and open looks and um, we usually take care of that backside and we uh, we didn't tonight we lost our responsibility and uh, it's not just the defense. It's, uh, you know, our, our low forward has to do a good job in that area, too. So there's some of that as well. Now, listen, Winnipeg is not a bad team, they're, but they're not a good team. They're not, they would not be a playoff team right now if the season ended, not even close. 21 wins, 18 losses, 8 overtime shootout losses. I mean, they're very mediocre, but for whatever reason, the Wild is struggling against them right now. I don't think that's something we have to worry about as a potential playoff matchup unless the Jets go on some kind of tear but it is concerning if the Wild is struggling against a certain type of style or a certain type of opponent take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming fun restaurants and bars and luxurious hotel rooms and join Club M to bask in the rewards follow the lights to Mystic Lake where every day is play day now the Wolves had a disappointing end to the you know the the pre-All-Star portion of their schedule, losing to Toronto at home, first home loss in a very long time for the Wolves. Couldn't make a three just like the other night, but this time could not overcome it as they had against Charlotte. But break probably coming at a good time, and that's why I want to focus on just kind of what what this first half or first 59 games meant and what we should be looking for later. So I want to bring in Dane Moore right now from the Dane Moore NBA podcast. Really happy to be joined today on Daily Delivery by Dane Moore. Does a great job with his own podcast on the Timberwolves. Has been going at that for a while now and has a lot more interesting things to talk about this season with a team that heads into the All-Star break, Dane, with a lot more momentum than in past years, looking to get into the play-in, get into the playoffs. A lot of interesting storylines. So I thought this was a good time to catch up with you. How are you doing? Good man, yeah. This is all different, right? It's like this time of year around the trade deadline. You're, you're thinking about what pieces are the wolves going to sell off, right? Who's 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 the next under the guillotine of Rosas? Or now at this point, you know, the games we're actually looking at the standings and not tankathon, and you're tracking what the like are the Nuggets going to win rather than are the Thunder going to win, you know? So it's, it's been a whole different experience. I'm enjoying it. I've barely even looked at Tankathon. That's a, that's a uh, definitely a departure from years past. There's no need. There's no reason to. I don't think I've, I honestly don't think I've typed in Tankathon to my, it's amazing. That, that's big. That year. Right, that is that big. Is that is a sea change um, for this, uh, for this organization. Last year, it was trying to determine, are they going to have to give up the pick to the Warriors, which of course they ended up having to do. But uh, uh, wasn't that the dumbest activity where we'd spend like, like, okay, if you get to the third worst record, then right. you have a 27.3% chance of keeping it. That, yeah. that was one of the most depressing wolves it was. ever. It was like, could uh, they maybe keep the pick if it's the sixth pick? It was, yeah, that was a terrible thought exercise that we all had to go through <laughs> last year. But 
Um, look where we are now. Look where we are now. They, you know, <laughs> they, they go into the break with, with some momentum and, you know, they didn't do anything at the trade deadline, which I think a lot of us looked at and said that makes a certain amount of sense because of some of the chemistry they have, because of some of the cap constraints they have. But I do believe that not doing anything at the trade deadline did lead in some ways to a move they made earlier this week to extend Patrick Beverly by a year. You know, you don't add anything to your cap with, you know, any kind of move you made at the deadline and it gives you a little bit more flexibility. What what was your overall take on adding Beverly for next year at $13 million? Well, Rand, I'd actually been tracking this kind of the whole season because I, I started hearing you know, right once, you know, the Wolves kind of like come out and it's like, oh, they got like a top 10 defense. You started hearing stuff about Patrick Beverly. He's he became like extension eligible in like November or something. And you started hearing about like, oh, he wants this. He wants this. And that kind of actually made me concerned because the word was he wanted a multi-year deal. And and it was it was this weird conundrum where he's certainly being very helpful to the team right now. But. He's 33 years old. You do it just would be really hard to give him a two, three-year contract when you don't even have Cat and D'Lo under contract for for that many years. So I thought we were going to run into this thing where Pat Bev was going to get really bitter that they weren't going to understandably not give him the multi-year deal. And and I just thought there was going to be this collision, and that collision ended up being a one-year compromise where the Wolves paid probably a little bit more in that annual salary than he would have gotten on the market, but. It was a compromise to keep him in this window with, you know, now his contract expires when Delos expires. Yeah. And he's also a guy who's for everything he's provided this year, he's not been on the court for every single game. He's, he's missed a significant amount of games. It's never been, it's never been, you know, that one big injury, but you know, Nick's nagging things, bruises, things like that have kept him out, but no doubt of his impact when he's been on the court, part of that kind of, you know, grouping that, has been among the best in, you know, net rating for this, this season, you know, we're talking about cat and D'Lo, Patrick Beverly and Jared Vanderbilt, you know, doing it on defense, doing it on offense. It seems like a good mix. So, you know, that, that part of it makes sense. The one year deal, you don't usually see one year extensions in the middle of a season. So that part of it was a bit of a surprise, but it makes, I guess when you add it all up, it makes a certain amount of sense for both sides. I think it does. I, I think it's also, I mean, for Wolves fans, there's if you do have hesitation and concerns about the durability, I think there's a couple other like pros to it where you can. I mean, this is more salary cap complication, but it's going to be. They were about 35 million below the luxury tax line. Now you spend 13 of that on Pat Bev. Um, that's going to make it easier for them to spend the rest of that 22 to the tax line, just given the exceptions and how this all sort of works. Had they operated under the cap, um, they just wouldn't have been able to add as much stuff this summer, but they could have got somebody different than Beverly. And yeah, you pointed to with the, the production he's had, I I don't, I don't know. Like it's only one more year. It's really only one more year. That's what I just keep going back to. Oh, and they can trade him on draft night. now. That's you wouldn't have been able to do that. If he was a free agent, I think that, you know, it's part of the game too. Not that they would want to necessarily, but it gives you more flexibility is is a good way to look at it. And the flexibility they wouldn't have had probably, you know, if you know, maybe they would have, I suppose. But if you add someone like a if they would have gone for Marcus Smart or somebody like that in a in a deadline deal, his his deal is longer, his he's 
maybe a little bit of positional redundancy with Pat Beverly. I don't know if this deal gets done if you make that but trade. What if you want it? Like, if you want it, they were, there was some interest in Marcus Smart. I know it didn't ever get that close, but what if you do want Marcus Smart this summer? Like, that was the problem is you were going to have to send out Malik Beasley for that. Now you have a Patrick Beverly. Like, that's just the, the game in the NBA this day. Like, having that 10 to $15 million player who you can trade as not being bad seller, like, that's how you upgrade. Could I, I could see a Patrick Beverly plus like a pick for Marcus smart trade on draft night. Like that becomes a possibility. Yeah, that's a good point. Another Patrick Beverly note you, you talked about, you wrote about, um, I believe at least talked about, um, it's on Twitter, Beverly imploring, wanting them to do more switching on defense, kind of getting his wish, something you observed. I think it was the bulls game. Um, how did that come about? And maybe explain to me why a team that was pretty good on defense for the first, you know, 30, 35 games wanted to do something differently and seems to be doing some things differently on that end of the floor. Yeah. Well, the Wolves, if you have been watching, that you can tell they've sort of started to shift the way they're playing defense over the past month. First and foremost, the shift is that it's way worse which actually makes it kind of hard in, for me to be able to discern what you're doing. Um, so I, I was kind, kind of been like for the course of the month and like, man, after being a top 10 defense, you know, for the first half of the season, now you're bottom 10, bottom five, and they haven't had a hard schedule. So I'm like, what, you know, what's going on? And I, I heard, I heard Patrick Beverly on the bench, like yelling to somebody, he's like, this is what we've been asking for all year. And now we're messing up the opportunity when coach has given it to him. And, and that was what he was talking about was switching more. And I actually get the idea of why you would go away from something that works. And I think it's because it's having the, a bigger picture in mind, like in the playoff series, a playoff series, you can't run that same coverage with cat blitzing out on the perimeter every single time that like what, any good point guard, like we saw Trey Young do, like we saw Steph Curry do, they will they will get used to that and pick it apart probably right away. But even if you just show it to them 60 times and then you play them again in two days and you show it to them, like it's that coverage that they, that's worked so well for them, like it's kind of just a hack. It, it just basically is trying to like freak the point guard out, make them reset, and now you have a shorter shot clock to work with. Like that's been – and the Wolves have been great at that. They got a bunch of steals doing it but you've got to be able to throw a diversity of coverages defensively in a playoff series. So I don't, Chris Finch won't admit it. I've kind of started pinging him with it a little bit, but I don't see what the logic of why they've switched things up at all defensively. I don't, other than just like needing to do more than you're currently doing and being able to show a Trey young three, four different coverages in the course of a game. And that makes sense because, you know, if, if there's some things that work better against inferior opponents or work better when there's an element of surprise to it. And when there's no longer an element of surprise to this totally. coverage, like you mentioned, like if, if they've been doing it all year and then you say, if, if there's a good point guard, if there's a good coaching system that says, this is how we're going to beat this. And we're, we, we think we can beat you with this. If you can't play any other way, then you're in a problem in a playoff series. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's a really good point about catching teams by surprise. Like, I mean, if you could play in the wolves for, the set, previous six years, Carl Anthony Towns was in the league. They have played an extremely conservative style of defense, and you're like, oh, we're playing the Wolves and Cat. Like, we're attacking the rim tonight. They're just going to play drop. 
and we're like, this is what we're going to do. This was a, it looked, I mean, anybody, you don't need to be X's and O's, anything. You watched the Wolves first game of the first preseason game of the season. And you were like, wow, this is way more activity, way more aggressive. And that's translated. Yeah. And, you know, and they can always throw that back in, you know, once they play this way for a certain while, you don't want to give away games as you're experimenting, but you know, they are in a position now where they can start thinking a little bit more about the future and not just, you know, winning from remember, game to Rand, game. You remember how you remember how people were talking about that a bunch last year when the Bucks went to the playoffs Yeah, of like, we're like, wait, why are the Bucks? Do they not? Are they not a, the number one defense again this season? And you're watching, you're like, man, they're switching a lot more, and they're not. That's not what their personnel is good at. They they did that because they knew come the playoffs, we're not going to be able to drop the whole time. We're going to have to switch. So not to compare the Wolves to like going, out, but you know what I'm saying? It's it's a it's the same idea of we need to have multiple defenses to be able to compete in the playoffs, like the Bucks learned. Dane Moore predicts Wolves win NBA <laughs> title this year. Seems like a good podcast headline. So I'll, I'll keep mm-hmm. that back in the back of my mind. I'm just kidding. Perfect. Dane, Perfect. a few more things for you. One, you, you mentioned Carl Anthony Towns in the context of defense. He's certainly been more active on that end of the court. He's, he's absolutely earned his all-star appearance this weekend. Um, however, we want to think about the rest of his career. This seems like a defining season for him. For sure. You know what's cool about it, man, is he's not he is not having a career high in points, not having a career high in rebounds, he's not having a career high in assists, he's not shooting a career high from three point range. Career, he's not career shooting high, a career, career high, high in wordle. Career high in wordle. Career high in wordle. But that's it. That's like on paper, like he is not having as good of a season as as he's had in prior seasons. Yet again, if you've been watching this team game in and game out, it is pretty obvious that he is having his his greatest impact on winning and to your point at the beginning a lot of that is because he's played defense all year i i think huge credit to him on on the defensive end we talked about that scheme you know who that's hardest for the big you're covering way more space way more space there so absolutely the real question is curious what you think you think cat's gonna get all nba yeah that's a good question i mean you got what's 15 spots right just three teams but it's, only three centers. Yeah. yeah, it's crowded at center. I mean, Jokic is a given, and Bead is a given, and then All right. So now it's one. You no, know, from there, and obviously, what the the battle has been, Gobert at times. It's been you know, who else is in the mix now? I'm trying to think. I, I think like I was trying. I, I think it's just going to come down to Gobert and Cat. I think Jared Allen would probably be the next one up there, and I mean. The Cavs have been great, but I I think it's between Gobert and Cat, and it it's a two hundred million dollar. It's a two hundred like Cat is extension ex- eligible for a four year two hundred million dollar extension if he makes All NBA this summer. That that changes everything. That bothers everything, and that I think it'll change that. That bothers me that voting, which is you know done by us, done by the media, not by me specifically, but All NBA mm-hmm. voting is the media, and that's that's a lot of money riding on decisions of pe- people who are qualified to make those decisions, but people who also no, cover these. No, players. no, 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 not qualified. Go down the list. Look okay. at when the when the voters when the votes come out, and you'll see some random dude will vote for Andre Drummond to be sure. an okay. all because he and he's a backup like. It is bad. I'm, I'm, I'm making your point is we shouldn't be voting on it. Yes. And specifically, the people they've chosen to vote for it are terrible. It, it's it's really a, it's a joke. It's just like the all star voting. Wiggins is about to start on Sunday. Like this is messed up. This is not. This is. Yeah, it's it's a dumb system. 
Wiggins, Levine, and Cat all at the All Star game. That's a that's a, a tip of the cap hear, to that's tip of the cap to flip. Um, do you hear Cat kind of uh, rip on that last night? No, I didn't hear that. What did he say? He was just like, "Yeah, I mean, haven't had any continuity here. Like, look at me, Wiggins, Zach, right now. If they if you would have let them build something, some magic would have happened. Like direct shot at Tibbs. Yeah, direct. That's a <laughs> that is a good <laughs> shot across the bow. Although nobody necessarily yeah. could have predicted that, but you know, it is it is what it is. Um, sec- what's it, what's your second half expectation for this year's team? It feels weird to even say second half because there's what like 24 yeah. games left in the in the season, something like that. 23 once they resume play in a week, but no. Uh, feels like the top 10 is almost a given at this point. You never want to take anything for granted with the yeah, Wolves, but it, you, you would, you would think, I mean, barring something really weird, but what do you want to see in these last, uh, you know, 20 plus games? Um, I, I feel, I feel pretty confident in now saying that they are like a quote unquote above 500 team. That's who you seem to be, right? That's who you're presenting yourself as is an above 500 team. So I don't really care what the schedule is or anything. Like if you're making a playoff push, like you got to be that I'm looking though at specifically the teams in the standings. Dallas is three games ahead of them right now. Denver is one and a half games back. And I think that six seed is really important, man. I don't think you, one, you want to dodge the plan, but two, I don't know how much you're going to learn in a playoff series against the Suns or the warriors. You're just going to get smacked. Yeah. Play, into, playing the Grizzlies. You that, get into that, that would be fun. You, you get to that six seed, you've actually got a chance because as good as the Grizzlies have been this year, as nice of a story as they've been, they are gettable. They, I think the Wolves like match up well with them too. Yes. Like it, it, they don't really have anybody for Cat and, and they don't have like any wing, like big wings that overwhelm you. It's Jaw, but I, I don't think Jaw's played all that well the three times that they've played him. I mean, the Wolves have Pat Bev, McDan- Yeah, I mean, this is it. All right, we it's too early for this, but I think that's the dream scenario: is you get to the six seed and you play the Grizzlies. I think, I think we've now we're we're crossing the border of exceeding expectations into getting fortunate. And and I, I but but that doesn't that seem real? Like yeah, it does. What do you think? Do, do you think the do you think they're past past Dallas and Denver or like which of the? I think they could pass one of them. I mean, it's it's not going to be it's not going to be slammed. Like I think Denver is is gettable i mean it just it depends on how healthy they are and how much Jokic, like you know how much help he gets down the stretch um right. do they big. have one more with denver i know they played dallas a couple times i think in this in these last you know, ha- right. handful of games but yeah it, it's it's gettable i mean i, I it, here's the thing to me and this is this was the hot take i promised before we started recording i you yes. know we, we we went into the year thinking you know just try to scrape in, you know, top 10, at least get into that play in. And they would be in a much more favorable position right now. If it was still just the top eight, because if you get into, if, if say they don't jump into the top six and they wind up as the seven or eight, which would still be a, a good season from where they started. Um, do you like their chances? One game against the Clippers no. or the Lakers? No. <laughs> like even, even if you are the seven or eight, and you've got two cracks at it. Like those are veteran teams and like, is, say what you say, whatever you want about the Lakers, like, and even if they're ten games worse than the Wolves this year, and just yeah. scrape in as the ten seed, you're, you're losing you, to LeBron. You're going to you, lose the last. You're yeah, going to you, lose that. Are you? LeBron. I mean, so they probably would have a better chance of just being a flat out playoff team this year 
if it wasn't for this play-in system? I'm not a huge fan of it just in general. Like I haven't found it like all that exciting when even watching those games when they're happening, you know, you're just, you're just going to win to die in the first round. It's just not, I don't know. There's not that much excitement to it. And I think it's also presenting this like weird thing where now everybody's, I mean, what the, what are the Kings doing? Like they're desperately buying at the trade deadline to try and make the 10 seed in the West. I mean, Bulls do the same thing last year. It's like, I, 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 I'm maybe it's just an old school nostalgic thing because I think we're on an island here. Most people really like it. Um, I don't know. That's just why I'm like, I skip it, get the six. Yeah, the six. yeah, exactly. That's that's the that's the that's the better scenario. And you know, and let's be honest, like beggars, Wolves fans, beggars can't be choosers in a lot of cases, you know, aside from that grinding 47 win season with Jimmy Butler. And this has been a lot more fun than that. I think a lot of people would say there just hasn't been a lot to get behind it at all. So you know, have, having at least that conversation is, is, is good, but I, I think the sixth seed is something to aim for. Even if I don't, I would, I would maybe put it at like a 25% chance that they jump up and get that. Right. I'm curious. What have you thought about, um, the whole fan environment, but I mean, obviously on, on Tuesday night, we had the, the D'Lo Stanford D'Lo sort of thing. You and I have talked about this a lot over just the evolution of the, the wolves fan base over time. And specifically over this, what now past three years where cable has been blocked. I'm just curious what, like, where are you at with the whole fan base thing? I think it's interesting. I mean, I think people, I think there's like this segment of like overall, Minnesota sports fandom that likes to make the cheap and easy joke of like, Oh, the the Minnesota has an NBA franchise. They just like completely dismiss the wolves. But I, I, for, for what I observe, and maybe I'm closer to it just because that's a lot of who I follow on Twitter. Like this is a very passionate, if you know, not overly huge fan base, but I, I, I'm, I think they're starting to warm to this. I think they've been scarred so much by, false starts and things like that, that maybe they've been a little bit leery of getting too invested in this year's team or going all in at target center. You still got, you know, factors of COVID and other things that are keeping people away, I would imagine. But I, I think people are going to start allowing themselves to get even more excited if this second half or, you know, last 20 plus games of the year, you know, puts them in a spot where they're going to see meaningful basketball in April. I, see, I thought last night was the turning point for exactly what you're describing. Just from being there, it was like, it was the first time I really felt that like extra ring out of fans who, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't even think of this as a bad thing. Like I'm a fair weather fan in other sports, like sure. but more, just that extra ring of people who are like, all right, like we said, like, if you actually play well, we'll show up. And, and they did. And now fans are coming. Like, I understand not coming at the beginning and I understand the getting on the bandwagon thing. And, and I think you should, cause it's, it's rare here and it's fun. It reminds me of like the twins, like back in the early two thousands, you know, when it was like just yep. like the smell them and all that sort of thing. Like, yeah, where it, it kind of caught on right there. And I, then and that wasn't that good of a twins team. Right. But no. they, they were making the playoffs every year. And I think that's what you were kind of, you can see that with the Wolves. Maybe it's a lower-seeded playoff team for the next few years. But, yeah, I'm just really curious because we lost a ton of fans to the cable thing. Yes. You know, a lot of people have not watched Anthony Edwards 
play who live here yeah just on tv and i mean that that i mean it just makes me mad like yes it, that you're, you're missing you're missing out on like a special young kid and a generation of good basketball and a generation of fans yeah and then to that point too i mean i had kent herbeck on a podcast earlier this week and he was just talking about the 87 twins and how like nobody was really showing up to the last two months of that season and they won the world series they won the world series right. that year like they ended up but they were they'd been so bad for so long they hadn't even been above 500 for like seven or eight years and again like you, I'm not saying the Wolves are going to win the NBA title yes. this year. You're like, not unlike both, the Bucks, we but both predicted we, we both got there in, in a weird way. But I do think, I think you're right that that Tuesday game might have been a certain turning point in the energy of the fans. But it felt like it. It felt, it felt like, like it. it. And we'll see. I mean, they've got some fun home games coming up out of the break. You have James, should be James Harden's Philly debut. Um, and that uh, that Friday game coming out of the break is what it sounds like. So that uh, that you know, there's going to be some opportunities for some big crowds right out of the jump. Yeah, man, I, I'm just looking forward to it. Like I think uh, we were talking before we started. Like this is just a way more fun team to cover this year. Where you know this, this you come into this back to back this week to to go in the All Star break, and it feel that both feel really important because it's not only you need to be stacking up these wins, but you like. You also need to kind of keep a, the good vibe that you've had going and all those sort of things. And there's just more of a night tonight, like on a razor's edge of like, oh, if, if, oh, no, Ant rolled his ankle and it looks like they're going to lose to the Hornets. You know, it just everything feels a lot worse or a lot better um, afterwards. But I think that's fun. I think that's the, the best part of, you know, covering a team or as a fan, if you're just following them. Absolutely. And you do a great job of that. Follow Dane, please listen to his podcast as much as you listen to this one and uh, let's do this again down the road man of course yeah we got wolves talk is back it's, it's back, back baby it never it's left in, it never left in some circles but it's easier now to talk about than who's their third string point guard of the future <laughs> exactly <laughs> things are things are improving they're easier to talk about and i'm, I'm glad i'm glad you're here talking about him you're, you're, you're doing your part 25 percent <laughs> one of the four teams is usually 25 percent ran that's how it works <laughs> all right thanks dane see you later you know like i said break probably coming at a good time i bet some of these guys could use a little rest i think anthony edwards could use a recharge i think uh d'angelo russell could maybe use a recharge get everybody a little bit healthier cat's been nursing something with his hand that flared up again the other day so Maybe they'll get a little bit of a, a breather here. I know Cat's got to go to the All-Star festivities. There's stuff going on, but still you know, a little bit of a mental break from having the day-in, day-out grind of the NBA schedule. I think that would do this team well. Like I said at the jump, Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell will be introduced at a 4 p.m. news conference today. I'm going to be listening very intently to kind of hear some specifics of his plan and his vision. I don't know how much he'll be able to lay out today, how much of that is still a work in progress, but that's really what I want to know. I mean, some days, sometimes you get like the, did he win the press conference? How did he, how did he present himself? What, what did we think of this guy? And I think first impressions are important, but I, you know, this, this season, this off season is going to come up, come up on them really quickly. Ben Gessling and I talked about that the other day. They're going to need some, to make some decisions quickly. And I want to know from this Thursday news conference, kind of what direction we might at least get a hint that they are going to head. So that is what I will be listening for today and be bringing you on Friday's show. Let's finish with the cooler. Tubby Smith sounds like he is walking away from coaching. He was at high point right now. He's had COVID twice in the last year. He hasn't coached for the last few weeks. 
turning the team over to his son, Gigi Smith. He is 70 years old. Tubby is. If this is it for Tubby, what a uh, what what a great career for him. I know his Gophers tenure maybe didn't go exactly as people wanted it to, but always somebody who coached with dignity and, if we're being honest, presided over the most successful era of Gophers basketball since Clem Haskins. And it's not a crowded field. It's not a... Uh, you know, it's not a, a robust field when you're talking about Dan Munson and Richard Pitino. Um, you know, right now, Ben Johnson taking over. We'll see what happens there. But Tubby Smith made three NCAA tournaments in six years. The year he got fired, he won an NCAA tournament game. They couldn't get, Norwood T couldn't wait to get rid of him. And the alternative since then, even if we thought that that was a good move at the time, uh, the program has not, certainly has not gotten further than it got with Tubby Smith. So, if this is it for Tubby, a tip of the cap to him and what he has accomplished in college basketball, including, let's not forget, an, a national championship with Kentucky. That will do it for today's show. Like I said, lots of Viking stuff coming up tomorrow, including highlights from Kevin O'Connell's introductory news conference and an interview with his college head coach, Tom Kraft. Thanks for joining me here today. Be back at it again on Friday.